We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, everybody, what's up? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by Post Monday here to recap the weekend that was in Daily Fantasy and look ahead to Monday, Thursday slate. But I would be lonely if not for my partner, the other Joe, but not a lesser Joe, never, ever a lesser Joe, Joe Bartel. Joe, I know it was a good weekend for you because the Packers didn't lose. Exactly. They didn't place. So they didn't have to lose. It was perfect. And the Badgers won. It wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. We lost our star running back potentially. But hey, they won. We're still in top 10 or so. So uh, yeah, definitely a good weekend overall. Definitely helps that we didn't have to have the Packers lose this week. Well, I can tell you this, Joe. I am, uh, I am groggy and tired from all of the football and the miraculous baseball last night. The baseball game last night, the World Series, uh, was just it's unbelievable. I mean, home run derby, so fun. It's like wiffle ball. I mean, when you're playing out backyard with your friends only, you're hitting home runs off Clayton Kershaw. I've been saying for a week now, and I've said it again on Twitter today, that right now I feel like the baseball product is more entertaining and just flat out better with the young superstars and, and the gameplay and what you got going and the likability factor than what the NFL has right now. Is that a hot take or am I really onto something here? No, no, I don't. I, I mean, I've read that from multiple people. I don't even think that's, that's a hot take anymore. I think it's just fact. Especially with the uh, MLB postseason happening, I think that it's absolutely a better product. I said last night on Twitter that we're witnessing probably the last two the, the last two World Series, probably the greatest World Series that uh, if they have ever, I mean ever uh, or close to it, it feels like those these are some of the best series. I, it's like one of those I get to tell my kids about kind of thing, and it's cool to be able to witness history. So yeah, I don't I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think it's just a fact. I don't. We're in the middle of the regular season. There's a whole bunch of bye weeks going on. Half the country was flooded by torrential rainpour, so football wasn't that good. I, I don't think it's a hot take at all that baseball is king of the hill, so to speak, right now. 
Well, the rain did certainly uh, take a hit on some of the pay lines as well. You know, pay lines for cash games were a little bit lower than normal under the 120 range for the most part. So the weather did take its toll on some of them as well. But we're going to get to all of the performances. And let's start with the marquee one that really, you know, is one I was most excited to see. And it did not disappoint. It was Seattle and Houston. Joe, I wanted to see if Deshaun Watson could go in there as a rookie and play tough. And yes, he did get sacked five times. And yes, he did throw three picks, but he still throw for 402, four touchdowns in that building. And if you look next week ahead, Deshaun Watson's salary jumps to 9,600 against the Colts and he's at home. Watson, I mean, Wilson's performance we'll get to, but let's talk about Watson for a second. Were you surprised that he handled that situation and can continue to battle as well as he did being a young quarterback in that really tough building? Yeah, I did. I was, I mean, I was surprised. We had talked about Watson now for, for quite a little bit on these recap podcasts. And I said, hold on to your horses. Just wait. He's got to get past the Seahawks before we anoint him as the, the, uh, the second coming of Robert Griffin or whatever like that. You know, like I, it was just wait. This, this is a tough matchup. He's had some easier ones before. I didn't think you'd be able to do what he did against the Seahawks. I would, I mean, I would question, honestly, a lot of people didn't, weren't on that train either. So kudos to you if you managed to start him as a, as a contrarian player, so to speak. But to me now, he's a must-start in season-long leagues. That, that's one of those plug-and-play type of players that you, you always want. Um, and I think in, in daily, he's, he's now almost worth the price. I mean, I just – at 9,600 is really high for next week, and the Colts aren't that good of a team. But the Texans run through Watson. They run through Watson and Hopkins, and I just wonder – how are they going to win unless he's at the top of his game? So I think that I, I think he's he's convinced me. I'm a I'm a true believer now. Well, he's probably in season long the the waiver wire pickup of the year right now. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's hard to argue that. And you know, as you start to peel into next week, I got to tell you, you know, I can. I think you have to, even though the price is so astronomical. I think you have to strongly consider it. I think you do in the cash games because he's been so good. Now, the problem is Hopkins along with him is 9,100, but the other end of that is Will Fuller, who, I mean, all Will Fuller does is catch touchdowns. It's like the second coming of Chris Carter back in mm-hmm. the day, and that was a complaint about Chris Carter. Well, all he does is catch touchdowns. And I always said, well, so a 27-point <laughs> performance for Fuller in this one, uh, five for 125, uh, two touchdowns on the day. And, you know, to me, I think – the way you do it is you probably go to Fuller and fade Hopkins, or maybe you just run Hopkins out there alone without Watson and take your chances with a lesser quarterback. So you still have some kind of a share of that DeAndre Hopkins, Watson, you know, uh, product, which has been so consistent and so good. Hopkins also, you know, had a huge day as well. in this one too, eight for two twenty four and a touchdown 32 point day for him. I don't know. It's it's incredible what Watson's doing. I think I'd rather pay up for Watson than Hopkins simply because we talked about a previous podcast, Tom Brady in that 9,000, 9,400 range. And you're like, yeah, in a good match, but I still want to go with him because I think he's going to be throwing a lot of yards. Watson's a little different. He's probably going to throw plenty of yards, but he's going to give you a floor, a safe floor in that if he's rushing him, he's got over 50 rushing yards in multiple games now this season. That's a, that's a decent amount of points that you can kind of bank on, on top of the touchdowns that you know he's going to get, on top of the passing yards you know he's going to get. To me, I think that I'm, I'm comfortable paying up, against, especially against a Colts team, that while they've struggled defensively, they're really not as bad on offense as a lot of people say, and I think I could see a shootout happening in that kind of contest, especially divisional one. Yeah, right now, I mean, I'm hard-pressed not to think that we're talking here. We're talking Patriots. We're talking 
Texans, we're talking Eagles, we're talking Seahawks. That's probably where we're going right now. If we're talking about the teams that have a legit shot to get to the end here, those are the four in my mind that really stick out. You know, I, look, I wouldn't they, put Texans in that conversation as Super Bowl people. No, I, I'm not I don't putting know. Well, I think about it this way. Because the AFC isn't so great, you know, that's a team too with just any sort of quarterback play last year in the playoffs – they would have beat New England in New England. You know, that, I mean, that they were, that was a tight game there. And in the third quarter, you know, it kind of got away from them because the quarterback play really, you know, started to rear its ugly head. And next thing you know, but that defense, you know, they, they, they can do enough. The Watt injury, obviously a huge one. On the other side of this game, you got Russell Wilson, 452 himself, four touchdowns. Another great performance for him going into next week. It's also showing he's $8,500. He's going to be at home against Washington. Now, is that a, a, a better use of $1,100 savings right there to go down from Watson to Wilson? And I can't imagine there being that different of a point differential here. That's kind of what I was thinking too. But, man, it's so tough to fade Watson at this point. I agree with you, though. Wilson at 8500 against that Redskins defense when it's not torrential downpour is actually really not that good of a defense, especially against the pass. So you can, you can easily find reason to use both Wilson and Watson, but I like that at 8500 I don't know if he'll ever do that again this season. I don't think he'll ever hit 450 and four touchdowns. Again, you get that safe floor from the rushing yards, but I always wonder there could be a time where that offensive line is just so dreadful that you can't use Russell Wilson. We haven't seen him much this season, but there has been times. I would I would still lean slightly towards Watson and cash games and just kind of figure everything else out after that. But 1,100 savings is 1,100 savings. You can find a lot of different uses for that, especially at like the tight end position, which feels like it's a crapshoot every week if you're not starting Ertz. All right, well, two out of three of the low-run quarterbacks we liked last week. Andy Dalton was good enough. Josh McCown was good enough. Unfortunately, Phillip Rivers was not, which was really surprising to me. Um, so we got two out of three on that one on Friday's show. Winston, a big disappointment, I think. You know, as good as Carolina is defensively, you know, Winston continues to make bad decisions and, and you know, continues to show – I don't know, maybe just moving in the wrong direction, which is tough. Also in the disappointing end yesterday, uh, you could put, uh, you know, I, I don't want to tag him a disappointment, but Wentz was good enough, I guess, too. But maybe yeah. maybe for the price, maybe you would have liked to see a little bit more. Who was the disappointing quarterback for you uh, this past weekend? I thought that Drew Brees going against the Bears would have a little bit better than 11, uh, 11 just over 11 FanDuel points. You know, he, he didn't even throw a touchdown pass. A couple of Mark Ingram scores, it felt like, uh, took the tides from Drew Brees' FanDuel point total. But I think that overall what we've learned today, or at least Sunday, is that the Bears' defense is pretty darn good. And I knew that already before. I just thought maybe Drew Brees was better, especially in New Orleans. So I thought that was a bit disappointing. At 8,500, I thought, okay, we can we can make that work. But otherwise, the other quarterback, you already mentioned him, Phillip Rivers. It was one thing to struggle against that Broncos defense, which he did last week. It's another thing to go against the Patriots defense. I think that's in part because, and maybe you could speak into this more, the Patriots defense actually is rounding into shape. And then I also think the Chargers are avoiding turnovers, which means Phillip Rivers is not pressing as much as he normally would. There isn't as much pressure on him to throw the ball, to keep scoring and keeping up with other offenses. And as a result, we're seeing a little bit lower fan, uh, well, fantasy production overall. Uh, yeah, you know what? I was surprised where I thought Rivers would shine was because of the high tower injury. I the Patriots defense has played better in the last couple of games, which is why they've gone a little winning streak here. The problem is that high tower injury. Last time we saw high tower not on the field, everybody just ran a muck over the middle, and it started off rough with Gordon there. Uh, you know that big long run, and we'll get to him in a second. And then you know they kind of closed ranks, and that's something they haven't been able to do. So that was a huge step and why I'm, I'm considering the Patriots now, you know, starting to get back 
into form there. Also, lots of lots of rumblings going on that they might shed some of those running backs in a trade potentially and bring in uh, some more help maybe on defense or some other spots. So there's lots uh, going on here in the trade market uh, this NFL season. Let's go to the running backs. LaShawn McCoy, two weeks in a row, uh, another good outing for him. We had him on Friday. We loved Melvin Gordon on Friday. He did most of it on one play, but who cares because it all adds up the same. Uh, continuing to go down this run here, you had uh, Jordan Howard and Ezekiel Elliott, two of the other Sunday 100-yard rushers on the game. Elliott continues to just be fantastic. Now, here's the question. You know, will he continue to be available to us going forward? I say yes. I still, I still say there's gonna, they're going to find ways to work the system long enough to get him through this year, and then next year he'll end up serving it. Um, so cautiously optimistic if you want to keep rolling out with Zeke. Uh, let's talk about Mark Ingram because you just mentioned him here. You know, he did have the fumble, actually two fumbles in this game. Does that start to give you concern here because we've seen sometimes with Ingram before fumble the ball and get in the doghouse with Sean Payton, and then all of a sudden Kamara takes over? How do you gauge the situation going forward? I'm not so much concerned with it because I think that that New Orleans offense has to run really strictly through those – through those running backs. Oh, sorry. This is this is a good uh, good video coming up here. Sorry, the, the Saints offense has to run through those running backs. And in my opinion, I think that Ingram has to stick around as long as he can, even with those fumbles going on. Kamara's a talent. I mean, Kamara might be the best running back in that backfield, but they have to be splitting those carries or splitting the targets, I should say, too. Like one of the two, they're still working through it. So I think that Ingram, even with fumbles, is still going to have some viability. But Kamara, again, I think Kamara might be the best back in that backfield, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to see that by the end of the year. Jarek McKinnon continues to be a good all-purpose back, putting up yards. He had a touchdown rushing in this one as well. Isaiah Crowell was the other one too, had an over 100 yards uh, combined, which is a, a good, you know, it's a really good thing for the Cleveland Browns. Not that any, you know, you got to find some silver lining somewhere for that team. But people have been waiting for Crowell to kind of, be useful and I kept saying well the problem is he's you know all the turnovers they keep taking away chances for him to score and all of a sudden when you add the touchdown in good things happen now that's a positive for Crowell is this a building block or a one-off in your opinion Joe this felt like a London one-off like we talked about that Jaguars game and how great Blake Bortles is in London and then uh, we haven't really seen much since I think this felt just fluky like every every single London game is fluky there is no way that Crowell was supposed to score a touchdown against that Vikings defense. I went on air multiple times saying, don't play him. I benched him in three leagues. At least I put my money where my mouth is. And he goes off and has that performance with the rushing touchdown right away in the first quarter and still saw some viability through the passing too. I, I, it feels like a weird, fluky London thing, and I don't – that shouldn't be expert analysis, but that's what I'm giving you right now because I don't know what else it is. Well, it's it's probably right. I mean, let, let's be honest. It seems like any good performance that happens in London stays in London, and we'd like to see it come with us <laughs> for the most that's part. That's the fantasy equivalent of Las Vegas. You're right. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, it seems like at this point. Now on the receiving end here, the big – look, we all know DeAndre Hopkins. That was uh, obviously 224 in the touchdown. That is just a huge total. And then we got Juju Smith-Schuster, who uh, – Martavis Bryant, who – I mean, I think yeah. all of us can can basically tell him that uh, pack your bags, kid, because you're going to be somewhere else. Um, you know, Hopkins put up 32 points in that one. That was just a huge one. Smith uh, Schuster, 28.8. And, uh, you know, probably the unheralded one, the probably one that I don't think anybody saw coming. It was 3% owned in the millionaire contest was Paul Richardson, who had six catches for two touchdowns and one out five. Fuller, you could see coming a little bit. You know, people didn't like it because all he did was catch touchdowns, so they're concerned. Mm-hmm. But Richardson, I don't think, is anyone that, you know, 3% owned. That's the one that was the big separator in terms of their wide receivers this week. 
Normally, that's where Doug Baldwin would come into play, right? Like that's where. Yeah, tell me about it. That's why I had all Doug Baldwin <laughs> everywhere, and it did not work out for me. And then the Thompson injury; those two things killed a lot of my lineups. Unfortunately, I had Fuller, but unfortunately, it was not a combination where I had I had all the right guys, but not all in the same lineup. That was the trouble for me this past week. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing. I had a lot of Shady McCoy and then too much uh, Le'Veon Bell, who you kind of passed over. But at 9,400, I thought he was going to be used quite a bit against the Lions, and that was not the case. He scored the touchdown, but that was about it. But back to the receivers for a second. I was not high on Bryant entering the season, and it was nothing to do with his talent. I mean, I think anyone who's ever watched football in a day in their life was like, oh, wow, this guy certainly has the body and the build to be a, an elite NFL receiver. I never knew if the mental makeup was there. I mean, there's a reason why he was suspended for as long as he was. And it wasn't just because, you know, the NFL is stupid. I mean, that's in part because why it is. But in my mind, it felt a little selfish. And everything that we've seen so far this season is selfishness. And I don't – until he gets it mentally right, he will not be a guy that's good. I mean, even if he gets traded to a different team, he has to be able to prove it mentally that he can be capable. Well, it's shades hard. of Kenny Britt, right, Joe? I mean, Kenny Britt's another fantastic talent with a 10 cent head and you, you have those kind of guys and the maturity issues or the work ethic issues, all that stuff, you know, your, your NFL career is very short and it gets shorter. The, you know, <laughs> every chance that you go out there and you make a bad impression and, you know, if you have enough talent, you'll get chances. I mean, Kenny Britt's gotten multiple chances and, you know, Josh Gordon seems to have gotten his chances, but his might've been running out at this point. But Brian, I think is going to probably get another chance somewhere eventually. But who knows? Oh, Maybe he'll be a guy He certainly still. will. He's he's like an, he's light years above Britt as far as talent wise and athleticism goes. It's just a matter of getting it together. And I don't know if it's going to be this season. Well, actually, I'll say I'll go on record saying I don't think it'll be this season. But I could be seeing it down the road. I just that that's that guy is too talented not to be an asset to somebody's team. And obviously, somebody's going to give up something to get him. I I would think at least. But until he proves it mentally, I'm not using him in season long or in daily. All right, nine catches for 123 for Jameson Crowder. Finally, a Crowder sighting. My God, it only took half a freaking season for him to show up. <laughs> Jack Doyle was the one that I got to be honest. I, I did not see that one coming. 12 for 121. I know he's been, he's been pretty solid, but 121 for a touchdown with 12 catches. That was just a full PPR monstrous game for him. That was a huge separator. Continuing to go down there. Robbie Anderson, six for 104 and a touchdown. You know, the Jets have not been nearly as atrocious as everybody was planning on them being. And Robbie Anderson has found a place and a home and a real consistency lately. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have Anderson. We're going to talk about him. Even with the matchup coming up against Buffalo, do you think he is almost a must-start in that Monday-Thursday slate? I don't know if he's necessarily must-start, but, man, I don't know if you can find many better options on there. So, you know, depending on how you put together your lineup, but we'll get to that in a little bit, he might be a guy that you end up fading but at this point, I, I thought it was going to be Jermaine Curse. That was the target in the Jets' offense, who I figured would have to be throwing a lot. No, it's actually Robbie Anderson. I, I think that he's really developed into something talented. He looks so wiry, um, and that's from the movie The Replacements. I like to use that phrase quite a bit because it's a fantastic movie, A, and then B. I, yes, it is. Thing, right? You know, you just you wear it like that. He's so thin. He's so frail, it looks like, but yet he's so darn fast. Mm-hmm. And for some reason or another, Josh McCown actually has an arm that is capable enough of throwing deep that he can utilize that. I think that Anderson ends up being a pretty sneaky play for the rest of the year, as so long as he sticks around in the 6,000 to 7,000 price range. Yeah, Adam Thielen, another good game for him as well. Five for 98 and a score. Uh, Joe Mixon finally also starting to get a little love. You've seen some of that breakout playability that he has. Uh, That's what we wanted to see. Um, You know, in terms of disappointment, I think A.J. Green was the big disappointment of the week. The ownership was through the roof on him, 40% in a lot of spots. 
Uh, and I kind of warned people on Friday. I said, look, you know, it's Dalton and Green. It's so chalky. Everybody's going to be on it. And the Colts are a team that got embarrassed the week before. And in the NFL, typically speaking, when a team gets embarrassed, they tend to be much more competitive the following week. I did not think it was going to be the cakewalk everybody else did. And it wasn't. But the good sign is at least you could take away Mixon from that one as well. Uh, Julio Jones, another disappointing game for him, three for 74. So he was kind of a bust out. And so was Antonio Brown, five for 70. At that cost, he, he killed a lot of lineups if you had him in there. But, you know, in all fairness, it was Slay. So at least you had that, you know, knowledge heading into it. You were It was a risky option to begin with. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a lot of a lot of really good top-heavy running backs, but not so much in the wide receiver spot. So if you went heavy on the running back side and you guessed right and didn't pay for Le'Veon Bell like I did, well, kudos to you. But the heavy high receivers did not end up working out this week. That's for certain. No, uh, obviously not. I mean, Eagles defense, that was an easy one to, uh, to gauge there. The uh, Bengals put up 14. That was another decent one as well. Uh, look, overall, basically last weekend, if you had – shares of that seattle houston game you did well and pretty much if you didn't you had to just have a little bit of luck and a good combination of things because overall scoring was kind of down you know i think that philly game too the weather really impacted what could have been even bigger blowout potentially in that one because that was closer for a while and then it kind of got away late um you know the carolina tampa game that was one too before we move on to the next grouping here that was one joe where i thought there was potential for that one to really become a fun game and it kind of became the opposite. Yeah. How do was, you? I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. How do you feel going forward about these two quarterbacks? You got Winston. You got Newton. Neither one was particularly, you know, awe-inspiring. That's for damn sure. How would you rate them to going forward in a daily sense? Would you touch either one of them? Would it be completely matchup-driven, or even in a good matchup, do they scare you enough because of the the bottom dropping out of some of them potentially that you would stay away? I'll start with this first. I think I would definitely play the Carolina defense moving forward. They're at 4,900 price tag, and I thought that was that was a pretty good matchup, especially with Jameis Winston struggling. And correct me if I'm wrong, it was it was also part of that rainstorm, that monsoon that was going on uh, throughout the east coast of the United oh, States. Oh, it, it rained so hard. He, I'm in New Jersey, and it just rained all day, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that was, all night. That was another reason why I'm moving and I went with that defense. But they're getting enough sacks, enough turnovers, especially with Luke Keekley's playing. But I think they're actually an under-the-radar defense to use most weeks. I think not matchup-proof necessarily. If I mean, if the Panthers are going against the Patriots, we already saw it once this year. But uh, if they were to do that, you know, 16 games in the season, I obviously wouldn't use them. But I feel confident using that Panthers defense most cases. But going mainly the quarterbacks, I think, is the, the conversation out of this. And I, I don't feel confident using Cam Newton um, very often. I mean, it's only when there's good matchups that I feel like I have to use him. But he's so frustrating to watch that he's one of those quarterbacks. And I don't know, maybe you'll think this is silly, but I end up just – not playing him because I don't like watching him. And that's, that's a frustrating thing. I know as a fantasy guy that I shouldn't be doing that, but to me, I just, I don't play him because he's frustrating to watch. And I think I'm also avoiding Jameis Winston both in season long and in fantasy until we can start figuring these things out. He's not a guy I'm dropping, um, but I wouldn't be playing in my laps until I start to see a good game or two from him. Well, you know, here you got an in-division matchup next week and Newton's 7,600. And, you know, last, you know, on Sunday was not a good game, but he still, you know, he had 13 points. So he would have barely gone, you know, just under two times value there, which is not great. But I think what it, I think the symptom is, you know, what you're saying, although you're saying, well, you know, it's not the greatest thing to say. I, th I think it's good reasoning because what you're seeing is, I think, the lack of return on talent, you know, where, where you say mm -hmm. he yeah. should be this. And he's not. And I think that's actually really sound advice in the daily game because when you're looking at guys who can play above their talent, those are the guys you want. I mean, in a way, Deshaun Watson's been the poster boy for playing above their talent. 
in, in some ways, Dak Prescott this year has been a guy that's played above their talent. And then you got guys like Newton who should be playing better than they are. And even when they're in that mid-price range, because there is a perfect example against a, a, a Tampa team that they should have easily put up points on that he struggled in that game and therefore falls underneath the price threshold where you want a player to return, especially a quarterback. And he doesn't have that three times value upside anymore. Like you've seen flashes of it, but I think a quarterback in tournaments, the two times will get you so far, maybe hit a pay line, but it's the three times salary. It's the quarterback that goes off like the Wilson, like the Brady, like the Watson. Those are the guys that can be the, the ones that really take you way high into that upper echelon, especially in tournaments. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's just my biggest concern is that, okay, we know what he's capable of doing. We, and I think that we're kind of clouded a little bit because we saw in past years how great Cam Newton, especially in this conversation, could be. And then the fact that we're not seeing that, we're not getting that. And I feel like he has enough weapons. I feel like Devin Funches is still pretty good. I think Kelvin Benjamin, uh, for the most part, is pretty good. Obviously, he wants some quicker guys. But Christian McCaffrey is getting more assimilated into that offense. They're missing Greg Olson. At the same time, it's just where, where, is that, where, are, we, where are we missing this? Where is this coming from? And I don't. That's the frustrating part for me as a fantasy guy. Like I, I know that Cam Newton is talented. I know he's special. We just have not seen it very consistently this year, and it's frustrating to use him, uh, even in a good matchup against that Buccaneers defense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, and going next week, uh, as we've already said, you know, you got Wilson eleven hundred dollars less next Sunday. Uh, you've got Wentz still hovering around that eight K grouping at quarterback. So quarterback, there's there's options uh, for sure, and. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden the guys like Winston going next week against New Orleans, uh, there's no way I would even consider him. New Orleans defense has played much better of late. Uh, you got Andy Dalton, who you got away with this week, barely. You know, he's going against Jacksonville. I, I think paying up for quarterback, whether it be tournament or whether it be uh, cash games, is a smart thing to do. And you should really start to consider that and think about how are you going to structure and find the value at running back at wide receiver now. You know, historically, it's easier to find it at wide receiver. But as long as guys like Mark Ingram are under AK, you know, you can still make that work potentially. And, and I think that you can. All right, let's get to that Monday, Thursday slate and talk about the games here. You got Denver heading into Kansas City. And then on Thursday night, you've got Buffalo heading into New York, or should I say New York City-ish, really, New Jersey. <laughs> Shh, they play in Jersey. That's why I was never a Jets or Giants fan, because they play in Jersey. Um, and look, here you go. Uh, it's that Bills defense, who I think at a certain point now we all have to stand up and go, okay, th this Bills team, you know, they might have jettisoned a bunch of guys and turned over the roster, and whatever they did, it's starting to work. Looking at the quarterbacks, uh, I think that you can easily pay up for the running backs. I just put up a lineup where I got Hunt, I got McCoy Joe, and I got Alex Smith, and I'm just kind of cheaping out the rest of the way and hoping for the best and kind of building my cash game core off there. I'm surprised you're touching Alex Smith because I don't think there's a guy that I'm steering away more from in this entire I love it. I, 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 I'm not touching the no-fly zone at all. I think that despite the fact that it's in Kansas City, that's going to be a prove-it game for the Broncos more so than the Chiefs. I'm not going anywhere near Alex Smith. I would rather go, you know, even Trevor Simeon on the opposite side than Alex oh, Smith. Oh, my goodness. You are a gambling man. Well, there's your contrarian play. Your, your bounce-back play right there, contrarian. You want to go the opposite way here and hope for something? That's the way to do it. You know, if you're going to play in a big tournament, you want to go down to Simeon, I get it. McCown, I think, is pretty safe despite how, you know, how well Buffalo's played. You know, Taylor kind of goes to that lesser version of what we talked about with Watson. You know, he, it's not always as impressive – through the air for Tyrod Taylor, you know, only 165 yards. He tends to be under 200 most days, but he can throw up a 50 spot on the rushing total. And that does make a difference. That's the safe times. floor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this. 
I'm not going to be using Trevor Simeon in my lineups. I think I'll probably end up going with Taylor McCown, and I keep waffling on it, so that's why I can't give you a fine decision one way or another. But if Simeon figures out that he can throw to that other side of the cornerback matchup, obviously Marcus Peters we know is a fantastic corner, but whoever's playing that opposite side has allowed the most uh, has allowed the most fantasy points to receivers this season. I think if Emmanuel Sanders is healthy, if we have Demaryius Thomas out there, one of those guys is going to go off. I, I don't think Trevor Simi at 7,000 is that bad. It's not unrealistic to me to assume he gets 14 points, Fanduel points. All right, let's go over to the running backs. It's Hunt and McCoy. After that, C.J. Anderson, Bilal Powell, Forte, trying to figure out that mess. I don't want to do it. I, I don't care if it's chalk. I'll go down with the chalk. Give me McCoy. Give me Hunt. Uh, and you can have any of the quarterbacks we're talking about easily here because on the wide receiver end, you know, but well, before we go there, are you going to make a case for any other running back here? Do you? No, no. I think okay. I think I'd lose my fancy uh, my fancy card if I try to do anything right. else besides those two. It's you don't want the union coming after you, Jeff. That's not what you. you <laughs> That's know. right. I just got into this industry. I can't get out already. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Like Ron Chandler and uh, Matthew Berry show up at your house with a you know with baseball bats and you know, <laughs> and instead of breaking your knees, they break your computer. That's it's what they every, do. It's every fancy guy's worst nightmare to have those two coming at you at your apartment. Yeah, they tie, they tie you down to a they tie you down to a chair and they and they smash your laptop in front of you. Say, no, this I is what happens. Take, they take over your Twitter account. They make you. They make you tweet about how you want. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. They make you tweet bad predictions. <laughs> <laughs> that's one less guy down that we have to worry about that coming yeah. to my job later. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is that is such a great visual sketch. I really want to go out and have that done. Uh, wide receivers, you got Tyree Kill, 8,300. Demarius Thomas is 75. So if you pay down for Simeon, you could pay up for Demarius Thomas. Outside of that, I like the Jets guys. I like Curse. I like Anderson. I know the upside is limited. But hopefully you get one of them, they get a touchdown, and that does enough. What are your thoughts on Jordan Matthews, who's just come back two weeks ago, who was limited the last couple weeks. You saw more snaps, obviously, this past week. Do you think Matthews can start to break into it? You know, because Thompson, unfortunately, left with a hand injury. I don't think we have, uh, you know, too much information yet on his status going forward. But where do you go for wide receiver here? Because this is a tricky one. There are not a lot of options. And once you get past Jordan Matthews, it is a complete, you know, desolate tire fire. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a lot more descriptive than I thought. Well, yeah, that's why I'm, that's why they give me the host job, you know, (laughs) that's absolutely right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm touching Jordan Matthews, but it's mainly because I'm fine paying down a little bit at quarterback. I'm not, and you know, I'm not going Tyreek Hill. I don't think I'm going to Mary's Thomas either. I, I, so, so long as Emmanuel Sanders does play. And I think at least of this podcast, as of this podcast, I should say he is expected to play. I'm going him. I'm going to go Robbie Anderson, and then it's going to be kind of like, well, maybe Jermaine Curse. I don't, I don't want to touch any of the Bills receivers right now, and I know that they're going to have to throw to win. Um, I just don't know, want to know who to try to guess as to who they're going to throw to. Maybe it's Jordan Matthews. Maybe it's Zay Jones. Maybe it's random tight end X that we haven't heard of this week that goes off. I, I, I'm, I'm staying away from that. If I'm going to use a Bills guy, it's going to be Tyrod Taylor and McCoy. I'm not going any receiver, I don't think. I was wondering if anybody was going to get fancy with Benny Fowler. That's what I was going to wait for. You know, if all of a sudden the news turns and people start to get fancy with Benny Fowler, I mean, you, you might be able to get away. Who I'll knows? absolutely play Fowler if Sanders misses any time, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And I'm not sure there's enough viability from that Broncos offense to have two receivers, um, one being of Benny Fowler's caliber, to be able to put in your fan line, even in the small of a sleep. All right, Travis Kelsey, 7,800. If you're going to play Kelsey, you're going to basically have to figure out something. Like you're going to have to play a foul or you're going to have to, you know, 
figure out another way to do it because it's it's a tight squeeze here if you want to play the running backs. Basically, that's what has to happen. You have to get rid of one of those two running backs. And I guess, you know, if I had to pick one, I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, Kareem Hunt has played so well this year, but Denver up until recently has been so good against the run. I would probably keep McCoy and give up Hunt if I had to choose, if I was going to go down to the C.J. Anderson. Although, you know, it's more of a tournament play. I wonder if Devontae Booker gets enough action here at 5,100 that he might be an intriguing return. You know, if they start to work him into the offense, but that is seriously one of those multi-entry kind of things. That's not something you can count on. No, I, I agree with you. I think it ends up being that you have to go Austin Safir and Jenkins. Cause I'm not, I liked Nicole Leary. I kind of talked about him. I tossed him out casually mm-hmm. after the, the bills buy that maybe he would be the guy that replaces Charles clay. I haven't really seen that so far and I, I'm not touching that. So it's either Travis Kelsey or it's Austin Safir and Jenkins. I don't think you have any other options at tight end. All right. Over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Void where prohibited. All right. That'll do it for us at the recap. You can follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe Pisa PS17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.